Mondays with Mosey. Where I'm from by Mike Borg. I am from Lego. From Star Wars and Star Trek, we are the Borg. I am from the Santa Teresa foothills, dry, rolling, making me sneeze. I am from the oak trees, the agapanthus flowers, some stems of which were always buckled by passing ne'er-do-wells. I'm from peanut butter fudge and summers in Lake City, from Dick and Mary. I'm from brains and stubbornness, from eat your bread and butter and oh goodness. I'm from Peanuts, Snoopy, and Charlie Brown, the Great Pumpkin, and the World War I Flying Ace. I'm from South San Jose, from Roots in Austin, Spam and Chipped Beef. I am from Grandpa Gene's smile and bouncing belly as he laughed. From the airplane my father built from scratch in the garage, the air shows and fly-ins at which we spent countless hours gazing into the sky. Where I'm From, after George Ella Lyon, by Josie Burton. I am from library books, from big wheels and craypaws. I am from the trailer in the coast redwood forest, small inside, but vast outside that door, and just a short walk to the outhouse or dig your own hole. I am from Mom's homegrown chard, with the stems that would slip down my throat and gag me. I am from baking peppercocker at Christmas and never asking for help with anything. From Judy and from David. I'm from the love of water in any form and always having another three books to read. From It's Not Your Place to Disagree with Your Father and Why Don't You Go Play Outside. I'm from the calm lap of Baba Haridas and the lulling kirtan chants at yoga retreats. I'm from the ocean, from Santa Cruz, from mom's bean tacos and fruit salad with yogurt and raisins. From the times my brother stood up to our father, calmly talking him down from his rage against me. From the twinkling eyes of my grandpa, as he told us we couldn't leave until the puzzle was done, and then always took out another. I am from the family photos lost in the fire, and my grandma's blue and white china she always used to feed us her mother's recipe for Swedish pancakes, because heritage can be delicious. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Josie. And we're Mosey. Welcome to episode four. Hey, we actually came back and recorded another episode. Our four listeners were starting to notice that we hadn't released anything in a while. (laughs) Yeah, we fully intended to get this episode out to you guys much sooner. But some big stuff happened and life got in the way for a bit. The bad news first. In early January, we lost our sweet Katrina kitty. She's in our cover art with the headphones, and you can probably hear her speaking quietly in our first two episodes. We're going to keep her in our cover art because we will always love her and she will always be a part of our family. Yeah. But the good news is the other thing that's been taking up all our time is that Mosey is getting married. Yay! Two months from the day that we're recording this, in fact. Wow. So, yeah, lots of time has been taken up by wedding prep, but we didn't forget you guys. So, without further ado, here comes the identity episode. Like our first topic, fear, identity is a huge subject and one we've thought about a lot. We have a ton of notes and subtopics, so we may decide to make this a two-parter. Anyway, I think we should start off by explaining the Mosey identity. Mike, do you want to tell this? Yeah. So, you know, couple names. Yeah. Um, 
There's like Benefer mm-hmm. and all those famous ones. So my landlady at the time that we met, Kay. Hi, Kay. Hi, Kay. I don't think she listens to the podcast. Well, we'll have to we'll have but... to tell her to listen to this one. Okay. She listened to the first five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she was a cheerleader of Mosey before it was even Mosey. And when she found out that we started dating, she gave us the name Mosey for Mike and Josie. Yeah, that K, she's like super hip and with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we would have done that without K. So thanks, K. Yeah. Yay, K. All right. So again, the topic of identity is really big, but I thought we'd start off with just the basics of identity Thinking about how when you meet someone new, you go to a job interview, you're at a party, people say, hey, tell me about yourself. And you're usually left feeling really at a loss about how to answer that kind of question because the self is such a a big thing and, and difficult to define. Yeah. So people typically talk about things like, I'm a dude. I'm, I'm a white guy. I'm from... San Jose, and I'm describing you for some reason. Yeah, why are you doing that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so if it's me, how do I identify? I identify female. I'm, I was born biologically female, and I've always embraced that gender identity. I've always felt very girly. And I don't know that ironically is the right term for it, but I've also often felt like I've been given a message that to be female and to identify female is a weakness, I guess. And I know in our very patriarchal culture, there are a lot of gendered terms that use femininity as an insult. So there's part of me growing up as the youngest child in a family with three older brothers, where I felt like being a girl was somehow incorrect, but obviously Mm -hmm. it was totally correct for me. It's who I am. And I wouldn't not want to be female. But on the other hand, growing up as a girl and later a woman, we are encouraged in many ways to embrace masculinity at times. Like because masculinity is seen as the default and the the powerful gender, mm-hmm. dressing more tomboyish, acting tough, physically strong, those kinds of things are always seen as a positive. I guess that depends on the context though. Like if if you're dating on a first date or something, you might need to like play up your femininity. Yeah. For a job interview, you might need to play down your femininity depending on what the job is. But for me, I identify female. Mike? I'm a dude, you're as a you dude. put it earlier. <laughs> uh, Wait, say that the right way. I'm a dude. <laughs> nice. That's from SNL. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, a guy from San Jose, again, like you said. Uh, I'm a white guy, blonde, medium tall. What else? You got the baby blue eyes. You you have like all the power. Yeah, I'm Aryan. Yeah. <laughs> but like you're not short. You're a white guy, which is seen as the default powerful ethnicity. Yeah. That's not an ethnicity, but. Well, yeah. Is that, it's, is that what you call that? Just skin color. Well, yeah, just skin color. I mean, it's. Caucasian is an ethnicity. Yeah. 
So what's the difference between ethnicity and nationality? And now I'm drawing a blank. Na- anyway, well, nationality is country, right? Of course, my but... nationality is American. Yes, but my then I'm thinking ethnicity race is... is Caucasian. Is race and ethnicity the same thing? Ish. Oh boy, I think that's another episode. <laughs> we'll have to get back yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Or you can yell at us in in email. But I mean, don't... as we both know, and probably most of the four listeners know race is made up right so but ethnicity is a thing sure an actual thing you know okay wait what's the difference (laughs) (laughs) like you said maybe this is an episode unto itself but like ethnicity has it's more than race it kind of encompasses where your background okay. so, comes from right so for some reason i was thinking of nationality as like i'm british and scandinavian and all those things but you're saying that's ethnicity so yeah nationality yeah. is I, nationality is i am a citizen of the united states from, yeah literally okay not just where your genes come all right, from thanks. which is more ethnicity okay. yeah 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 okay so ethnically you are northern european yeah me too all over yeah northern european i got some western european to add spice yeah yeah (laughs) mayonnaise yeah (laughs) spicy yeah (laughs) anyway so you're a tall white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes yeah from san jose california yeah so which is i think not majority white anymore so yeah, I'm, not where I'm I not, work, for sure. I'm but. not like I'm not like the majority in everything, but still the favored class. Yeah, I was <laughs> I would say all of those demographic features, traits that that you just described still give you unearned power in many ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And privilege. Totally. The power and privilege thereby bestowed upon you by <laughs> birth. Right. Which you worked really hard to achieve. So earned that one way to go (laughs) well we don't know we don't know how you earn your birth yeah some people say that you choose your parents but yeah yeah there's the science on that is weak at best (laughs) (laughs) Uh, science with quotation marks (laughs) not science so yeah on on my little note here i have phenotypically demographics so what what are demographics are age age how old are you mike i am 45 that's a nice round number yeah my i I used to be 42 and that was a fun year because 42 is the number yeah my inner math nerd is sitting here going 45 and then i'm trying to do the factors of 45 and i haven't taught math in a few years so my brain's like ooh, it's like nine times five yeah it's nine times five Yes. So then you can break that down into three times three times five, and I just factored it out. Thank you. <laughs> if you want to get super fancy, it's three squared times five. This has become the math episode brought to you by my teaching credential. <laughs> so what is your demographic? Uh, so my I'm female, white yeah. lady. I'm yeah. 47. Yeah. I will actually be 48 in a, a week. Yeah. Wait, a week? Yeah, like exactly a week. Yep. Holy cow. And I would say for a woman, that age is considered a liability, not a power. I would say as men get into middle age and later, oftentimes, this is when the power and the money accumulates. And 
Well, if you're going to, yeah. you know, if you're angling to be part of the 1%, the Billionaires <laughs> Club. Which I'm not. You got to, usually, if you haven't just inherited all of that, you've got to work on that as One of as my demographics on. is called poor. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but poor middle class. Yeah, I've got that in uh, this other card over here, financial oh. identity. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, so I'm a 47, almost 48-year-old white lady. I'm from Santa Cruz, California, which I consider to be a very positive thing. I'm five foot seven inches tall in the morning when I've slept well. Mm -hmm. And I have pretty darn white skin. I'm looking at it right here, but I think I'm just vaguely more swarthy than you. (laughs) I've got a little bit more melanin. I've got medium dark brown hair. It does fade out in sunlight. And when I was younger and was working outside, a lot of the time my hair would be blonde. Uh, What else do I got? I got hazel eyes. And uh, for talking about financial identity, I'm middle class. Yeah. So that's, I consider that a positive. And it was definitely a goal of mine as a kid. I never wanted to be wealthy and grew up not wealthy and really hoped that you know, thinking ahead to future self at this point, I would actually say I'm pretty happy with where I am. I have a car that starts Mm. and I mean, knock on wood, this table is solid wood here, but I, I have a decent car that I bought new a couple years ago and it starts when I turn the, I don't even have to turn the key. There's not even a key to turn. Come to think of it. When I, when I push the button, I own a home. I have a decent job with a decent salary and benefits and Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those those are actually all aspects of my identity. It's how I see myself as having that power. And I know there's a lot of privilege that put me in the position to have those things and to have attained that level of success, if that's how I define success, which obviously partly I do. Mm-hmm. Is there something I'm missing on demographics and et cetera? Well, demographics kind of describes any feature, any group that you can be sorted into so so i'm gonna we could go on forever full disclosure if you hear weird sounds we're swiping at a little fruit fly i think we had some rotting bananas in the house somewhere yeah (laughs) 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 we won't describe what just just happened fly right into your mouth (laughs) nothing (laughs) i'll take a quick sip of water um, all right what about family identity family identity Fine. Bring out the big guns. Oh, that's on your card? Yeah. Family identity. So I would say until recently, this would have been a really painful question for me, to be honest. I'm I'm like, thanks. You passed over the little note card that I happened to write. I'm just going to go with the way that you framed it. Family identity based around me being a 47, almost 48 year old woman. I have never been married and I have no children and... Certainly up until now or very recently, that would be considered a a huge stain on my identity. Mm -hmm. Not intending to have children at this point. I used to think someday, but I'm about to get married and that will give me status in our culture and certainly my own upbringing as a member of our dominant culture has bought into the idea that being part of a, a family by marriage is, is important. My mm-hmm. identity in terms of my larger family, most of my family moved away. I've stayed in my hometown. I adore my hometown. In fact, I very strongly identify with Santa Cruz. When people ask me about who I am, 
my first instinct is to say I'm from Santa Cruz. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so much a part of me. But names. So as far as names go with family, I am a Burton. And the fact that my sweet Mikey asked me <laughs> to be his bride, it had me questioning a decision that I thought I had made a long time ago, which is that mm-hmm. I have identified myself by my last name for such a long time I'm a teacher and I've been teaching for over 23 years and that's my identity professionally is Ms. Burton I'm Ms. Burton Mm -hmm. and if I were to take my partner's last name that would kind of pull the rug out from under me in so many ways but growing up female again as as a big part of my identity we're just taught as little girls to think about Someday you'll get married and change your name. And it's a cutesy, silly thing to mm-hmm. fantasize about someone you have a crush on is writing your name with their last name. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a trope. And I had thought I had made a decision quite a while ago that I would just keep my name and not change it in any way just because it's so strongly my identity is, is my last name. And I found myself, after we got engaged, going through the process of, of rethinking, like, Am I sure that this is a decision that I want to live with for the rest of forever? And I ended up doing kind of a an informal online poll of friends who were married or had been married and just to see what people's thoughts had been and experiences had been with changing or not changing their name mm-hmm. on getting married. And I got a lot of really interesting feedback. Um, a lot of it was stuff that were thoughts that I had gone through myself some people mentioned the old-fashioned idea that a woman is property and it's still traditional in marriage ceremonies for a woman to be given away by usually by her father and I think today it's it's seen as a cute tradition but isn't really seen as literally the father owning this human being and bestowing them upon her new partner but I I agree. I felt the same way. I've never wanted a woman to take my last name if we got married. And I have been married before. My first wife didn't take my name. So I I didn't think you would either. Yeah. And it's partly because of those old-fashioned ideas of I didn't want a woman who was thought of as mine. I mean, obviously you're your mind in the sense of be mine, you know, like Valentiney love feelings. But yeah, property, no. Yeah. And I always thought it was silly. And I also when I have thought about it in the past, I turned it turned it around and thought, would I change my name when I got married? And that's certainly not traditional, but it's been done. Right. I mean for, Burton's a pretty cool name. Yeah, for various reasons. Right. I mean, I love my name, but... And what is your name? Borg. Borg? Resistance is futile. Well, right. So so there's that aspect. Like, yeah. considering if I'm going to become your wife, like, I'm not going to be assimilated? <laughs> well, anyway, I just... When I turned it around, I thought, no, I wouldn't change my name. Even if the other person wanted me to, I would just refuse. Yeah, I think part of but, it for both of us is our age at this point that we have lived for over 40 years with our last name as as this huge chunk of our identity. Mm -hmm. And we have both 
ascribe different values to the name. I mean, as you just made a joke, the Borg is a character is the wrong word, but a they often anyway, refer to it as a, an alien race, but sure. race is wrong too because okay. they're not they're not one people. They assimilate okay. entire other races. So, yeah, it's confusing. Anyway, it's an identity. It's an enemy. Yeah, it's an enemy group in Star Trek. Sure. So, TM and and for you being a a Trekkie, which I think you would be regardless of the name. Oh thing. yeah, I mean, I it was even before. Be- yeah, before the Borg became a the Borg were introduced in star trek the next generation mm-hmm. and i was a fan going back to the syndicated reruns of so the original did you series. like squeal or anything when <laughs> <laughs> when the borg emerged i was pretty excited yeah anyway we're we're getting tangential here but for me burton i discovered tim burton the the filmmaker in i guess the early 90s or so when he started making stuff mm-hmm. uh or Maybe it was the late 80s, 80s, I'm thinking. Yeah, Yeah, I'm thinking of Nightmare Before Christmas was early 90s. And I used to tell people, because I'm a fan of his, I used to tell people he's my uncle. And then I would laugh and like, just kidding. (laughs) And it turns out I found out a year or two ago that he's actually my eighth cousin. Yeah. So that's a pretty distant relationship. But hey, it's it's something. But it's straight up and then back down with the Burton name. Right. I, I... don't have it pulled up on my ancestry.com account right now but i think it's something like ninth or seventh great maybe it's seventh oh i should be able to get this anyway i think seventh (laughs) great grandfather robert burton is our common ancestor and he was a colonial early virginian and i'm trying yeah i'm trying to remember if that's pre-revolutionary anyway not super relevant to this discussion but but going I mean, it's... It made me happy. It's your idea. I think uh, potentially comparable to how the Borg being a an entity in Star Trek made, mm-hmm. made you excited. And, and a, in a matter of fandom, I'm honestly, I don't really have the, the fangirl gene so much, but I am a fan of Tim Burton's work. I identify with his, his characters and his uh, aesthetic and all that, his gloominess yeah. and spookiness. And He's a cool dude. Yeah. Well, I like his work. And so when I was finally able to say, okay, he's not my cu- my uncle. He is actually my eighth cousin. My students who know his work were very excited for me. And I let my family know this, that I had verified this. So obviously Tim Burton, I'm sure, is a huge fan of this podcast at this point. So obviously. So, duh. So hey, Tim, what's up? <laughs> uh, we'll invite because you to the family reunions, which we don't to, have. Soon to be my cousin by marriage. Yes, your cousin as well. But going back to the name thing, as I was researching Ancestry on uh, Ancestry.com and what other other resources I can find, I have some books now on the Burtons. I have a book on the Druce side, which is my mom's father's mother's family. Something that became very curious to me is I have not been able to find living Burtons who I'm related to, honestly, aside from Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. which is kind of freakish because that's a distant relative. I mean, he's my living relative as far as I can tell, but Burton cousins, we just don't have. My dad had two younger brothers and they shared a mother, not a father. So mm-hmm. they were not Burtons. I'm saying were. He's His youngest brother is still alive, my Uncle Joe. He's planning to come to our wedding, so I'll see him in a couple months with 
my aunt Kim and my cousins Jacob and Ryan. So I should tell them to listen to this podcast so they can yeah hear their names. Let's I'm name totally all the pandering. Names we know, and then tell them, hey, we named you, right? And then we'll get all these listeners, right? Yeah, and it'll <laughs> it'll explode anyway. So I have Bailey cousins. I have my dad's brother Richard. His last name was Wright. I had Benjamin and Alex, Alexandra, my cousins from that uncle who I haven't seen since my brother Christar's wedding in 92, I think. And I have Schwartz cousins on my mom's side, but no Burton cousins. Like they're, I've never been to a Burton family reunion. My dad had a younger sister who was his father's daughter, but she got married and I'm pretty sure changed her name. Mm -hmm. I think the last, I, I think I met her once and I saw a picture from her wedding many years ago and I... I have no idea how to contact her. But regardless, if she has kids, if I have cousins there, they're still not going to be Burtons. Yeah. So it's been kind of disheartening. I don't know quite quite what word to use. It's been a little disappointing to do research on Burtons and, and feel like I'm like it's all history. Like it's not present. I mean, obviously, with the exception of my living immediate family, my brothers and their kids, there are Burtons. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm, I've kind of gone on. Do you want to talk at all more about the yeah the history of Borg? Yeah. Well, in in aside from sci-fi TV shows, it's uh, it's still an assimilation name. Oh. Uh, yeah, because we were not originally Borgs. Do tell. We were my father's father's father is the most recent. American immigrant in my family. Wait, your father's father? So that's great-grandfather? Yes. Yes. My great-grandfather, okay. who I never met. I didn't even meet my father's father. They were dead before I was born. But the family name is actually Larson or Olasson or whatever foreign form of that name. Son um, of Lars, essentially. Yeah, son yeah. of Lars. So... My great-great-grandfather was Lars. Okay. Yeah. And the great-grandfather was Gulick Larson. And there were, I think, five Larson brothers who all immigrated to America from Sweden. And I think five is the right number. I'd have to look. But anyway, if it's five, Get it then right. My gosh. three of them kept the name and two of the brothers changed their name mainly just because it was such a common name there's a lot of Larses in Scandinavia right, so but Gulick so did Gulick change the name Gulick changed his last name I guess there were other Gulick Larsons in Minnesota I don't think I've ever heard the name Gulick except for you mentioning your great-grandfather yeah. so now i'm curious i don't know about that one i want to see but if there are still have, phone books for minnesota i've i've come across the surname gulickson before okay so i have not that would be huh. what my grandfather's surname would have been if they kept to the naming tradition of scandinavia okay now we have a an adventure in minnesota that we need to undertake to <laughs> dig up some of these names so yeah he my grandfather would have been adolf Gulickson, if they kept to that tradition. Yeah, bad name to have in the 40s. But he spelled it with a PH. 
Oh well, that makes all the difference. F. You just tell people it's yeah. with a it's with a ph. Yeah. So, but my dad was born in forty two, and for that reason of timing, he was not Adolf Junior. <laughs> Good. <laughs> he he is Richard, but he would have been Richard Adolfson if they had ah, yes. kept to that tradition, mm-hmm. and then I would be Michael Richardson. Mm-hmm. Yes. But. For the most part, immigrants did not stick to the naming convention. It seems like in Scandinavia, that's with a name. That's I don't know that it, that naming tradition has ended. But looking at my own Scandinavian ancestry, because I also have Swedish uh-huh. and Danish ancestry, and apparently um, genetically, I have quite a bit of Norwegian as well. I guess Norway and Sweden. I don't know that they're really genetically distinct. Yeah, distinct. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's less common even there. But when today. yeah, when I'm when I have looked back a few generations, you get back several and and nobody shares a last name because the last name uh-huh. is son of or daughter of depending on the the country. Um but I've seen several generations in a row where the surname didn't change. Yeah. So But it's interesting how long that did stick around cuz that goes back to the Vikings. Right. I when I've talked to my students I'm a a teacher. I don't know that I've mentioned that. When I've talked to my students, that in this episode. Oh yes. Um, (laughs) uh, Anyway, when I've discussed names with my students, the the clues that you can get about your ancestral identity that are built into your last name are fascinating. Whether it's a former profession or a location name, like both of our surnames are location names, Mm -hmm. or if it's a a name based on someone's first name. Yeah. But getting back to the change, it, I, I theorize, I don't know since they're not around to ask, but I think that that's probably why they were willing to change their name so readily. I mean, they were giving up a lot to move to America, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they have this ancestral tradition of changing names every generation anyway. Right. So it was probably easier than it is for a lot of people today mm-hmm. to give up the surname. So they, both the brothers that changed their name changed it to Borg. I don't know who chose first, but the other one picked the same last name just for continuity. Mm-hmm. But the reasoning supposedly was because of where they, where the family was from and where they departed. Okay. Which were the towns of Borgsjöl and Göteborg. Which we're going to have to visit. Yeah. Because we super need to go to Scandinavia. So Yes. We should give out our honeymoon fund info. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's spell oh, out the you URL. Put that in the show notes. <laughs> oh, show notes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so they no, changed their name. And it was, it, it, it was reportedly just because there were so many Larsons and it was confusing to a lot of people and they get other people's mail or lose theirs or maybe even not get their paycheck one week or whatever. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. And Borg, although a traditional Swedish surname is less common. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking and I've certainly met plenty of Larsons in my lifetime and I don't Uh know that I've met other Borgs besides your family. Borg, when I look it up, is much more common than I think it is. Hmm. Like, there's like 15 or 20 other Michael Borgs just in this state. Okay. But 
it's certainly less common than Larson, which yeah. is one of the most common Scandinavian surnames. Sure. But surprisingly, Borg is actually much more common in Malta. It's a Maltese surname. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to remember... Which has nothing to do with me at all. I have zero Maltese DNA. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember. I know we've looked up the derivation of both the name Borg and the name Burton to basically verify that they have a common derivation. So mm -hmm. we have jokingly called ourselves the Borgtons for quite a while. Yeah, In Mosey fact, Borgton. Mosey Borgton yeah. is our singular fused identity as we assimilated early on. And Borg and Burton, Burton having the suffix ton as in town or settlement, uh -huh. but the burr... Abby's climbing. Uh, yeah, the couch. I'm listening to listening to and watching my cat climb the couch. Remaining cat. Love you, Abby. She hasn't chimed in yet. We'll see if she does. Abby. Anyway, Burr and Borg both come out as a like a fort or a fortified encampment or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so then Burton as the settlement by the fort. In yeah. which case it turns out Burton is an English surname. I was told as a kid that Burton was Welsh, and you and I actually went to the location of the long-standing Burtons, as far as I can tell, that are my ancestors from the UK, which is in Shropshire, mm -hmm. and Longer right Hall. right next to Wales. You're right, and it turns out it was closer to Wales than I thought after we came back from there. I, I think it was only like 10 kilometers or 4 kilometers or something from the, the border with Wales, so... yeah. I think ethnically we may be Welsh. And again, I don't know that there's any huge genetic difference between a Welsh person and a Brit at that level. I mean... Careful. We're going to get sorry, listeners writing in. <laughs> and some of them will write in Welsh uh -oh. with all those consonants. <laughs> well, I'm not going to and... be able to read that. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so... So Burton being a name that's not translated from the English because it's English. So if mm -hmm. you wonder why my English is so good, it's because my people have always spoken it as long as this language has existed. Mm. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk to uh, talk about in terms of names? I mean, we, we haven't even mentioned our first names, which I would say is a stronger part of our identity than our surnames. Yeah, that's true. And we have, well, I have the traditional full first name of michael mm -hmm. and then michael. nickname of mike yeah. <laughs> or mikey michael that goes back to the location part of identity because santa cruz yeah the murder capital of the world yeah yeah 1970s right around my birth time yeah yeah i found out a while ago that when there were multiple active serial killers in Santa Cruz, it was right around the time of my birth. Yeah. And I've never heard my mom bring that up. I don't know if maybe she wasn't watching the news at the time. I mean, my parents were big hippies and I don't know <laughs> if they were paying any attention to the media. Anyway, that's I'm a Michael, different topic. Yeah. I'm and I'm Michael. Mike. I go by Mike most of the time, yeah. but I really and don't. And how do you spell that? <laughs> Wait, can you say that again? It's M I K E. Or M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Thank you. Yeah. And Michael comes is a biblical name, of mm -hmm. course. It comes from the Which archangel. Which is good since you're super religious. 
Yeah. Speaking super, of identity. Yeah. Yeah. You identify as atheist, agnostic? It, it, yes. Yes. <laughs> All of those things. I don't really have a belief, so yeah. you can't call it one, but I th the closest thing that I think that's technically agnostic. Yeah, the yeah. the most fitting term is agnostic. Yeah. Cuz I'm not atheist seems so vehemently mm -hmm. sure yeah. that there isn't a higher power and I don't know. I just yeah. see no evidence. Yeah, that's that's the de definition of agnosticism. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I don't really ascribe to any specific mm -hmm. term. You mean you're not a militant atheist like like you were a militant vegan? <laughs> <laughs> I've been referred to as a militant oh, yeah. vegan. I was referred to as a militant vegetarian by my father once. Really? Yeah. I had not heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I was referred to as a uh, it wasn't militant. It was belligerent mm. vegan. Okay. At work once. It was funny though because it was at a work party oh. and comedy sports was there. Oh. Which was an improv trip. Yeah, yeah. And it still is. Uh anyway, they they were getting Were they getting suggestions I, from the I, audience? Yeah, they were yeah. getting identif ah. identifying information ah, okay. from the audience because they were playing us. Ah. They were playing people. That's always fun. In the company. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was fun. So but they were having other people describe. Uh huh. So I got picked somehow as one of the people they were going to play and yes. they asked how how to describe me <laughs> and one of my co-workers lovingly uh, yeah. <laughs> referred to me as a belligerent vegan mm. and comedy ensued yes it was fun and i'm no longer a vegan i've been a i'm vegetarian. no longer a vegetarian mm. yeah i grimaced when i said that yeah. <laughs> so did i <laughs> i am a vegetarian yes you i've are. been vegetarian for 23 years now that's as long as I've been teaching. It's more nice. than half my life. Yeah. I was a vegetarian for many years and I'm sitting here recognizing that that was a strong part of my identity. And when I loosened the grasp on that, uh -huh. I'm not a full meat eater. I'm not a full carnivore. I, I eat things with feathers, but it was a difficult and painful tra transition to mm -hmm. let go of that. And I think I had a lot of pride in identifying as vegetarian mm -hmm. and I still, there's a strong part of me that would like to, and the fact that I am lazy around food prep meant that as a vegetarian, I was mostly a carbotarian and a lot of refined carbs and processed mm -hmm. sugars and things like that. And I, here I am justifying my non-vegetarianism, but I realized that as a person who eats a lot of meals, grab and go, that I could get a healthy salad with some chicken on it as mm -hmm. kind of a complete meal whereas your typical vegetarian salad is very often just rabbit food it's just lettuce it's just mostly water and there's yeah. there's just not enough they'll throw nutrients in, like in there three or four shavings of carrot maybe a couple beans or something right and it's just <laughs> it's not good enough so i felt like semi ironically to be a healthier person physically i needed to add birds back in anyway we're Getting a little off topic, but I, I think... <laughs> no, you were talking food. about how you took pride in the identity sure. of and, being a vegetarian. And it was hard to yeah, believe that. In today's culture, there's a lot of identity around food politics and around the uh -huh. um, ethics of like clean eating and eating organically. And oh, I'm sighing because it brings up so many other discussion points around the high cost of eating well and, and healthy and all that. Anyway, 
So you mentioned religion, and that's on one of our cards okay. here. Should I talk so, about my strong religious identity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about mine a little yeah. bit. What about you? So I'm not a Christian and wasn't born a Christian. And I think when a, a person who doesn't know me sees me, and I think very often my, I think of my students when they meet me, what assumptions do they make when they look at me? Mm-hmm. I think people tend to just assume that I'm the default, that I'm a, a white lady, I'm a Christian, I eat white bread and, you know, group this <laughs> Everything way. Everything white. <laughs> and mayonnaise. What? Mayonnaise. Yeah. Spicy man. We do not have mayonnaise, except we just bought a giant jar of it for um, a reason we won't go into. But I like that. We don't have mayonnaise, but we do. Yeah, we're just not eating it. We don't eat it's, mayonnaise. Yeah, I guess we, we don't identify some. that way. Yeah, we ha- we got some for an event. Yes, we did. And yeah. are holding it for another event. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That We're holding is. it for a friend. It's not really ours, <laughs> officer. <laughs> What's this white stuff? <laughs> Ooh, spicy. At least it's not powder. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, yeah, so anyway, we're getting on to how I'm not a Christian and I'm a total heathen. Well... Go back to the fact that I'm, I identify very, very strongly as I'm from Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. which by the way means I'm a Santa Cruzan. And I get irritated if people add the E sound in there, Santa Cruzian. For some reason, that really bothers me. Yeah. So that's I'm a Santa Cruzan native. That only works when you're talking about the state. California. Californian. But the Arnold E is already in Californian. Or Californian. <laughs> I cannot do accents. Anyway, um, here I am avoiding talking about my religious identity. So I would not say that I'm strictly agnostic because agnostic means that, okay, what does agnostic mean? It means that you're not sure. I, I guess there's yeah. a part of me that is agnostic then because how can you be sure about a thing that yeah. can't be proven? But I was raised by hippies who were yogis and... In fact, that's how I came to be born in California in Santa Cruz is because in the late 60s, my parents had tuned in, turned on, dropped out, become hippies, and they had been living in the Seattle area in Washington state. And as their one of their acts of rebellion, they left their hometown and their home state. And as my mom has told the story, they drove all the way down the coast of California and came back to Capitola, which for those of you who don't know, is a small town in Santa Cruz County. It's south of the city of mm-hmm. Santa Cruz on the coast. And they settled in in Capitola. And a few years later, I was born in Santa Cruz, an unincorporated Santa Cruz, an area called Live Oak. I was born at home. But I grew up with parents who had been hippies, had studied yoga. And both my parents had been, had been born Christian, had been raised Christian. And the story that I've heard... My father is no longer with us. He passed away five or six, almost six years ago now. He, I believe, was in the youth ministry and I think was even maybe considering going into the ministry and Mm -hmm. was turned off by seeing how the resources were used by the, like the church elders, that they were spending the money that the congregation donated or gave to the church. They were spending it on fancy cars and steak dinners and you know, suits and things like that, which my dad just didn't see as being in keeping with the teachings of Christ. And I agree. Right. And from what I've heard from my mom, and she can correct me if I'm telling this incorrectly, was that she had a more positive relationship with her church. And I know that the Indian guru that I grew up with, that was her teacher, Baba Haridas, that she saw him as being very gentle with children and 
they would gather around, not in a creepy way at all. Uh-huh. And that it reminded her of the pictures of Jesus with the children, etc. Anyway, so I grew up within the Hanuman Fellowship, which is a group of students of Baba Haridas who studied yoga and the ancient Vedas and sutras and teachings. And he himself was self-described not a religious person, didn't belong to a religion, and so didn't push any religion and didn't necessarily believe in, I guess, organized religion in, in the way that we think of it. And Yeah. But my personal feelings on a lot of churches is that a lot of violence has come out of a lot of different religions all claiming that they have their right answers and their their god is somehow different from others and Uh my opinion is that scientifically it's proven that we're the same species so whatever created us created all of us created every living thing created the entire universe so whatever that creative force is if you want to call it god i'm i'm okay with that so i would say that makes me not agnostic and here i am trying to start my own church apparently and what i'm (laughs) describing so i'll get off my soapbox but well just to flesh out my uh religious identity a little more we discussed that i'm an agnostic i do come from a christian background though my parents are both um believers Mm -hmm. they're not somebody who's always talking about church and god or anything like that but they they went to church my mother still goes to church every week and uh that's one of her social outlets Mm -hmm. and she donates time to feed needy people and things like that and there are a lot of churches who do a lot of good yeah and do provide especially in our country of i think in a lot of countries they provide a strong social foundation and and just a social network for for people and that's yeah something that's missing for a lot of people. totally see the good in that mm-hmm. and i wasn't i wasn't turned away because i didn't see good in religion i just i'm a very literal thinker mm-hmm. and i just was never I always saw the Bible as and other religious texts from other religions as well as just morality plays mostly mm-hmm. they have they tend to have both good and bad stories and examples but yeah the massive organized religions tend to be terrible in yep. their the way that they affect the world mm-hmm. with their presence they they do not seem to follow their own teachings Whereas on the local level or the individual level, yeah, religion can be a great thing. Mm-hmm. It yeah, helps I guess a lot I, of people, but um, it was just never for me. Yeah. In in the community that I grew up, my mom's spiritual community, the, the Hanuman Fellowship, religions were, I guess they dealt with it in a kind of a unitarian way where mm-hmm. different religious practices were always welcome. And I always saw them kind of brought up in a positive light, but also really in a, this is another way, this is just another, you know, ethnic or cultural group who has traditions that basically say the same things, that Uh basically have different versions of the same story or the same version of the same story that's translated into a different language. And, you know, very often the, the golden rule and a lot of the same basic tenets and that you should live a life of value and service, et cetera. And the main teaching that I was brought up with is the value of selfless service. And Uh so to me, I think the way that that's impacted my identity has been that I always felt it was my responsibility to give back as much as I can through my work, but also just through my daily actions. So when I was in middle school, when I was 13 years old, I made a plan for my future and I figured I should get a degree in something useful, and I didn't know what that meant. I knew I was doing art 
as a coping mechanism and just as a creative outlet since uh-huh. I was about age four. And I had certainly been given the message repeatedly that art is not a way to make a living. And so it never occurred to me that that would be something to study in college or to consider as any type of career related anything except for that creativity is a valuable asset, I guess. Uh-huh. And then I figured I should get a teaching credential because that's how you do it in California. If you have a bachelor's degree in anything, then especially if you want to teach elementary school, then you just go back and you do another year or two of study and you get a credential. And if you want to teach at the in a single subject, like in middle school or high school, depending, definitely high school, then what you get your degree in is going to be relevant in that way. I don't think I was thinking along those lines in middle school, but yeah. anyway, I figured at that point that future me should get a degree in something useful and then a teaching credential because then you could always teach if there wasn't something else to do. And obviously I'm a teacher now, so I did do those things, but I ended up getting a degree in art, which I really had to struggle with, largely because I had been taught very Uh explicitly that A degree in art is is about as useful as a degree in poetry or English literature or underwater basket weaving. Basically, you can be a waiter with that. Yeah. (laughs) I would be a terrible waiter. (laughs) I've never done that. I know I would be really bad at at taking people's orders and I would probably spill food and get mad at people or, you know, who knows. So I would never even remember what the person ordered. I I mean, they have notepads and all that, but. Yeah, sure. There are those. This is a complete. (laughs) <laughs> digression but i'm always amazed at the the servers that just listen to your order and yeah. then they go make it and it comes out right yeah or they go put in the order and the chef makes it yeah i'm sure they've got strategies after a while yeah you know anyway i would fail at that yeah, as well exactly so uh anyway an, an aspect of a person's identity is is their education obviously and their profession and so i did go on to get a degree i started out trying to study landscape architecture in college and mm-hmm The way that came about was actually I applied to three different universities. I didn't really know where to apply. My brother was at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and so I applied there. That was about 150 miles from where I was living. And at the time when I was 17, when I graduated from high school, I was at that point where an adolescent naturally rebels and needs to move out. It's, you Mm -hmm. know, the fledging thing where you need to leave the nest. And so it's a natural developmental step to kind of argue with your parental units and get pushed out. Anyway, I, I applied to and was accepted to two other universities, but decided to go to, to San Luis Obispo. And at that particular university, you had to apply to and be accepted to a major program. And my dad told me that in his opinion, I was good at art and math and uh-huh. that he thought that meant I should do architecture. And my response was having grown up in the Redwoods and the, at the ocean in Santa Cruz that I, I don't really like the indoors. So (laughs) why would I design indoor spaces? But I looked in the course catalog and they had something called landscape architecture. So I was like, all right, art and math. I'm good at those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're being completely honest here, I'm going to blow on my fingernails and wipe them on my shoulder, which you can't see. It's this gesture of (laughs) strutting my stuff, I guess. I was an A student and did well in any subject. PE, I guess, was my weakness. But yeah, I was identified as being good at math and art. I was good at English and Spanish. And anyway, I don't know why I'm going off and telling you how great I am in in studies. But uh, (laughs) so I decided to study landscape architecture and didn't like my my degree program and ended up switching to art. Anyway, I can I can go on and on about that. It's not that interesting of a story, but I got a degree in art 
And when I switched to that major, part of what I realized was that if I was going to be an elementary school teacher, which was Mm kind of my plan at that point anyway, that it didn't really matter what my degree was in. So a degree in art was just as good as any other if I was going to be a teacher at the elementary level. And that's what I did. Which is the case in a lot of careers. You know, a lot of people choose their major, they agonize over it. Sure. And then they they end up doing something completely different. Right. But I I think for another aspect of my identity that we haven't discussed much, although we've hinted at, is financial identity. Yeah. And I grew up identifying as poor (laughs) because Uh we were. Yeah. And it's an aspect of my identity that I've continued to struggle with is telling myself this story that I am poor or that I'm broke. And I've certainly lived it. I have been a teacher for over 23 years and in this part of California it's very expensive to live here but I mean it's a it's a trope it's a known thing that teachers are underpaid in this country and no matter where you live it can be difficult to provide a home and part of why I've never had children is because as a single woman but also as a teacher I could never come close to considering affording it I couldn't afford the child care I mm-hmm. I couldn't afford for a long time, I couldn't afford more than a small studio to live in. I've been in a one-bedroom condo yeah. for the last 14-plus years. Yeah, identifying oneself with the chosen career, which often has to have some matchup with the, your education level, which becomes so much yeah. a part of our how we identify ourselves. It's like, how, how do we value ourselves based on the skills and the knowledge that we've acquired? Like, for me, I can... I pause every time I think, do I say that I'm an artist? because it seems presumptive to say that I'm an artist. And yet I have classical training as an artist. I have a degree yeah. in art. I've done art since I was a small child. I have been teaching art for over six years now. And I yet I think st- it's presumptive though. I mean, it's, I see where you're coming from because there are, you know, when you say artist, people think Leonardo and right. Raphael and all those, but I mean, the, those are just the masters Sure. and there are every level of artist from thanks so you're saying i'm a crappy artist i did not say that (laughs) in any way shape or form i'm saying there's a spectrum from little young children experimenting with their first crayons on up to leonardo and you're somewhere above the middle of that spectrum (laughs) but they're all artists right is what i'm getting at yeah and you know this you humans are artists right yeah i could do a whole series on on art and maybe we'll get to that later yeah but yeah i mean that also brings up the the idea of talent versus skill and those are also aspects of a person's identity i mean we're often told from a young age like i mentioned my dad told me that i was good at math and art i was good at math and art i mean that's you could look at my grades you could look at my achievements at that point but a person's skill set and a person's set of knowledge is is a huge part of how we perceive ourselves to have value and educational accomplishments degrees and diplomas etc can have a huge bearing in how a person values themselves but how they're valued by potential employers mates i mean if you go on a dating website which i that's the thing i used to do long before you and i met certainly a must-have for me was education Uh and that could mean here you are marrying a guy without a college degree right and i was just going to (laughs) say that education can be formal or it can be informal and the fact that you haven't achieved a college degree in no way reflects your actual education level because you are extremely knowledgeable and well i've just always learned so much more on my own Mm -hmm. through reading books internet everything experience yeah 
but I will tell you, I've met plenty of formally educated people with degrees and diplomas, and you stand up next to any of them, no problem. So Thank that's you. my professional evaluation of you <laughs> as a credential teacher. <laughs> so yeah. you were starting to, to wag your finger that we, we're at a, almost the hour point, and we'll you know, edit this down just a tiny bit. There's not a ton. I'm looking at my cards to see. We didn't pull out all the identity topics. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll need a part two. Sure. Is there anything on the cards in front of you that relates to what we have already discussed that you wanted to bring up before we start to wrap up this episode? Um, we kind of covered a lot of it. We went over locations. You mentioned your birthplace. I didn't mention mine. I was born and raised in San Jose, California, and lived there until I met you. And mm -hmm. then I moved over the hill to Santa Cruz, and here I am. Yeah. So I haven't gone far. But like you, the rest of my family all moved away. Mm -hmm. So... I identify strongly as a Californian. I don't plan on ever leaving by choice. <laughs> but travel. Yeah, just oh, not, yeah, yeah, just obviously. Not moving away love to travel. You know, but, except for um, when the big one hits and California breaks off from the mainland. Cause right, that's yeah. How, when when that's Lex Luthor buys all the Nevada property and then causes earthquakes in California to, mm. to break off so that right. he has beachfront Nevada property. Because totally that's how continental plates work. That you yeah. can just break them off and they fall into the ocean. Yes, right. clearly. And uh, I'll, I'll say that phrase I said the other day. Hi, I'm science, and I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do always find that idea ridiculous because <clears throat> I do um, have a college degree in art, but part of my general education credits were many science classes, including an yeah. oceanography class that went in-depth on plate tectonics. And no, California is not ever going to break off and fall into the ocean. No. So let's just put that to bed right here, right now. It's just going to migrate north. Oh, also. Ever so slowly. Also point, talking about identity. Yeah. It is, the term is California. Yeah. Oh, there, right. There is no Cali. Cali is if not a thing. If you say that, we won't it talk to you. It hurts my mouth to say it. At least for a while. I've heard people like name their cat that. And that's, you know, if you're going to call him Kali after the Hindu goddess, that's fine. If you're uh, going back to Cali, to Cali, to yeah, Cali, that's, that's you can say permissible. it then. But, that's, yeah. but beyond that, uh, there's no short version of California. It is California right. or California. California. Or, or that, yes. It but. can be four syllables, California, or it can be 15 syllables. But, <laughs> Can't <laughs> but be it's two. always California. <laughs> Can't be yeah, two. <laughs> no, never two. Yeah, yeah I agree. And likewise, our nearest major world city is never Frisco. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> it's never San Fran. Yeah. It is San Francisco. Or the city. Or the city, yes. Yeah. In fact, I was remembering the other day, several years ago in the, the condo complex where I live, there was a, a guy wandering the, the complex who was acting a little sketchy and i won't go into the long story of how i had to call 911 on him and his brother i believe and friend mm. later as they were anyway this is a thing that happened but when i ended up speaking to him at one point he said to me that he and his brother i think were visiting from frisco Ugh. and that immediately let me know that no they were not no, no, no. <laughs> because if they were they would not say that so you do get californians that that think Cali is okay. I know, and I. But I've, you don't get San Francisco. I, I want to find out Frisco is okay. Who hurt them? Because you can't <laughs> say that. <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, no. They're like from I don't know some other part of California. I don't know. Sorry, some, the something rest of went California. horribly awry in their Santa upbringing. Cruz is best. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. 
in our opinions. Okay, so as as we mentioned, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this one up and and yeah and go through our our other subtopics and see if we can squeeze a a decent second parter out of this later but let's go ahead and or or even a mini-sode a mini-sode sure yeah okay so let's go ahead and transition into our ending where we tell you some bad jokes yeah because for some reason we think you deserve that (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have to have the bad joke segment yeah we started off with that we didn't that one episode we didn't last episode because it felt like it was going to be in poor taste after talking about tragedy so yeah so we talked about tragedy at the beginning of this episode just briefly it is a part of life so forgive us we're gonna after we uh say some boring stuff we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna sag into some bad jokes so that that we didn't write so yeah so um, that we found online so oh actually no we're gonna do that first so so right. when we do our jokes, you, you the listener, score us. Yes, please. So it's three points if you laugh, mm-hmm. two for a groan, yep. one point for silent blinking, as in I just did not get that. Yeah, or it just or, wasn't funny. Yeah, it was just stupid. <laughs> yeah, so we, we so, have... So, but we even get a point for that. Right. Well, we yeah. Have, we have stacked this Because in our favor we had so to work hard to come up with this and... Points. So we have curated some jokes for you from the internet. So we're not going to take credit for having written any of these. So if they're really bad, it just reflects badly on the writer who will probably sue us. (laughs) I did tweak mine though. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I reworded some of them to sound better because the ones I found were lame. Okay, so we've written them up on individual documents, Google documents that the other has not seen. So if one of us does laugh, it's genuine. Yes. So I think we should get points for that. Genuine laughter. All right, am I going first? Sure. Okay, let me click over here. All right, so I picked three jokes that are not identity-specific jokes, but they're jokes relating to aspects of my identity. Right, I did that too. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Hold on to your something. Headphones. Headphones. Okay. Okay. This teacher joke. The teacher shouts to the sleeping student's neighbor. Hey, wake that student up. The neighbor yells back. You put him to sleep. You wake him up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I laughed. All right. All right. My jokes are all about the Borg. Okay. Because. Okay. What did the medieval peasant Borg say? I don't know resistance is futile oh (laughs) (laughs) okay this is an artist joke okay because i am an artist yes we established all right how pretentious i know we'll talk about talent versus skill another time so what did the artist say to the rival i don't know i challenge you to a doodle (laughs) (laughs) thank you okay what did the nihilist borg say i don't know what existence is futile oh Oh, I didn't get a laugh on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's my third and final joke for the evening. This is about California. Okay. Okay. Why did the non-binary prospector move to California in 1849? Uh, I don't know. Because there was gold in them slash their hills. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That one's good. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Save the best for last. Okay. My last one. What did the board get? When they assimilated the zombie of a Swedish tennis pro. But I don't know. Uh, sorry. <laughs> they got Bjorn Borg of Borg's Morg Smorgasbord. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That one reads the laugh. So without further ado, 
please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Mondays with Mosey. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and tell your friends, your enemies, and your frenemies. And you can email us at mondayswithmosey at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your positive feedback, bad, clean jokes, and for this episode, interesting stories about names and other aspects of identity. So be who you are, watch out for identity theft, and be nice to people still figuring themselves out. Okay, bye. Bye.